Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water. To support women as leaders in the conservation movement. To ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I am your host, Ashley Chance, and my co-host today is Marsha Brownlee. How are you doing, Marsha? I'm great, Ashley. How are you today? I'm good. I'm so excited to be back. I was just telling you that it's been months since I've hosted a podcast. And even longer since we've done one together. Yeah, that's true. And outside of uh, our From the Field podcast, Turkey Camp, which wasn't mm. quite the same as this. Um, so I'm excited to be back. And I'm really excited to talk to our guest today, who is one of our Oklahoma ambassadors, Alyssa Bowen. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Ashley. We're so excited that you're here today. What is the weather like in Oklahoma? Um, it's scalding hot. It's been over 105 degrees for three Whoa. days. Ago. It was uh, it was 108. Feels like 112 yesterday. And, oh my God. and what's the humidity level? Where I live, it's not as bad as in southeastern Oklahoma, but it's been more humid lately because we've had a lot of rain. So lots of yeah, lots of that. Actually, our our AC went out upstairs this weekend. So uh, I've been running the fans a lot uh, in the house, trying to cool it off um, now that it's finally back working again. So so yeah. what do you do <laughs> when it's that hot? <laughs> Stay inside. Yeah. Um, we went to the swimming pool yesterday uh, and that's really what? all you can do. You, to swimming a, pool. Oh, okay. I thought you said a soy and pool and, and I wasn't sure what that was. <laughs> But yeah, no, when it's this hot, just really stay inside. I prefer it anyways. It's hot. Yeah. Okay. That's actually a good segue for us to talk about freezers. Um, (laughs) Stand in front of your freezer. Yes. (laughs) We wish we could be inside of one. Um, It's not quite, it's not that hot in Tennessee. We're hitting the nineties this week for yeah, the first sustained while. So anyway, Alyssa, can you please tell us what's in your freezer? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, well, it was actually my birthday yesterday. So I'll just say that I did make some homemade ice cream and that's in my nice. freezer right now. And I'm Whoa. pretty proud of that. Happy but, birthday. Uh, thank yeah. you. Uh, but meat related, uh, we've got venison. So whitetail, got some elk. We've got, I think, a little bit of dove left from last year. And we actually have some um, sand bass. I was looking for something yesterday in the freezer and I found a bag of, of sand bass. I don't know how long it's been in there, but, um, but yeah, I think that's about everything. What is sand bass? I really how, don't know. And how, how did you acquire it? <laughs> My husband caught it and brought it home, but I don't really eat fish. Um, so it's just been sitting, I guess, in the back corner of the freezer um, but I'm not really sure how sand bass is different from like a large mouth or a small mouth or anything, but it's pretty popular in Oklahoma for a type of fishing, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, my, okay. My yeah. understanding of how many types of bass there are has broadened a lot in the last month. <laughs> Thank you, Bass <laughs> Tactics. Sand bass, and wasn't there, was it a peacock bass or something that Maggie mentioned on our podcast that we did with Angie Scott? Um, I, yeah. I, I'm also, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think some of it is just colloquial terminology, mm, right. but I'm not I'm not educated enough to know what's what. Yeah, I feel like especially in the South, um things get nicknames and so then you just know it as something and maybe that's not actually what it's called in other parts of the of the country. That's true. Yeah. Alyssa, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. Um So I was raised in southeastern Oklahoma, and I grew up um, loving the outdoors. We spent a lot of time camping and hiking and fishing. Um, I didn't start hunting until I met my husband, and we started dating. And and so now I've been hunting for, I think this will be my 14th season this fall. I think, yeah, 14th. And primarily hunted whitetail. Um, now we do a lot of dove hunting. And of course, what we're going to talk about today, the elk hunt that I got to go on last year. 
Um, outside of that, I work for a nonprofit organization that does housing programs here in the state of Oklahoma. And in, in my free time, um, if I'm not outdoors, I'm usually at the baseball field. My husband is a, is a baseball coach at a university here, and I'm Mrs. Coach to the baseball team and spend a lot of time with, uh, yeah, college athletes. So That's cool. What, what does being Mrs. Coach entail? <laughs> um, anything pretty much that you can imagine. I do a lot of cooking. I like to, I like to cook for them, feed them, uh, bake a lot of cookies and that kind of thing. I, I travel to a lot of games yell at a lot of umpires on their behalf. Um, <laughs> I, I help with practice every once in a while and, and that kind of stuff. But, but mostly it's, it's emotional support and, and food support, I would say. Nice. Uh, critical, critical elements of support, yeah, I think. For sure. Okay. So Alyssa, Alyssa, I met you because you are one of our ambassadors. You were an ambassador actually when I started this position. So you were one of the first people that I met kind of through Artemis. And at this point in our relationship, I feel like we are friends more than anything. Um, yeah. And the reason that I asked you to come on the podcast today is because you told me about this incredible experience that you had last year, what you alluded to just a few minutes ago, the elk hunt. And I would love if you could just walk us through the whole thing, like how you learned about it, how you came to be a part of it, and then the experience itself. Yeah, for sure. Um, so elk uh, were native to Oklahoma, but like bison, they were basically hunted to extinction by the late 1800s. And in the very early 1900s, the wildlife refuge where we are, where we did this hunt, the Wichita Mountain Wildlife Refuge was designated as the first big game wildlife refuge in the nation by Theodore Roosevelt. And a few years after that, he brought um, a, a group of elk, uh, reintroduced elk to this region from a herd that was actually at the National Elk Refuge in Jackson, Wyoming. So they brought elk down to Oklahoma, uh, reintroduced them. I think there were maybe 12. I mean, very not a huge number. Uh, of elk by any means, and and they took off. They they've thrived in that area since then, and they did the first controlled hunt, I believe, in the 60s. Um, so there are different hunts that you can put in, and I've put in for some of these for a while. Uh, but they just introduced a new one in the past couple of years, and and my friend and I put in last year for the first time. Um, so the two types of controlled hunts that you can put in for, uh, one is a drive-in hunt. Uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife will drive you into the refuge. You have a designated area that you're allowed to hunt. And if you harvest an animal, you just have to bring it to the road and they will uh, haul it out for you hmm. in their truck. Um, that one is, I mean, a lot of people put in for that hunt, obviously. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and in Oklahoma, that's you know, not something that's super common uh, to hunt elk or to even see elk. Uh, and then the second type of hunt that's just been introduced in the past few years uh, is a walk-in only hunt. And so basically you park by the road and you have to walk in. And if you harvest an animal, you pack it out on your back. Um, and so that was the hunt that we were drawn out for. You can put in for a uh, either sex tag. So the either sex tag, you can kill a bull or a cow. Um, or you can put in for a cow only tag, or you can draw out for a cow only tag. Um, most people put in for the either sex because they want a chance to shoot a bull, um, which is understandable. You know, antlers are very um, appealing, but we drew out for the cow only. And we put in for that because we wanted uh, the experience of, of hunting elk in Oklahoma. Um, and I knew that the odds were a lot better to draw out for that hunt than they are for the either sex tag um just because like I said most people are putting in for that one um specifically and and the odds are much better for for the cow only and I just I knew that or I hoped that maybe someday I would have a chance to hunt elk elsewhere and maybe have uh, the chance at a bull in another state but in Oklahoma I just felt like it would be so cool to be able to to have that experience while I was um you know young healthy enough to back one out. Um, <laughs> back. Good size, strong back. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I just, I, I joke a lot that we're, we're an equal opportunity household. So uh, my husband and I both hunt, we kill, um, you know, bucks and does. And in this case, we haven't killed a bull elk, but we, we kill cow elk too. Cow elk too. And, um, and so, yeah, so it was, for me, it was more about having the chance to, to have that experience and then also have some elk meat in the freezer. So Alyssa, can you talk a little bit about, okay, first I have a question. Is this area, like the Wichita Mountains, this refuge, is that the only opportunity to hunt wild elk in Oklahoma? Um, that is, there, there are some areas around there, some public land and, and private, of course, too, that elk have now migrated into, and you can hunt them on those properties, but you have to have obviously permission, um, but it's it's very it's not very common just because there there's not that many. Um, they do usually um, like a, a a raffle type thing through the wildlife department every year that you can put in to um, buy a you buy a ticket and all that money goes to the wildlife department and then you can go hunt at one of these private farms. Um, but it's more of a like a I don't. It's like captive situation. Yeah. 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 And they're not necessarily captive, but it's more, it's not like mountain hunting per se or public land hunting where you're packing it out. I mean, you're sitting in a tree stand or a blind and hunting them like white tailed deer in the Eastern side of the the nation. Sure. Can you, can you describe the Wichita mountains? Like what, what does that look like? What's the scenery there? Um, it's beautiful. And I will say too, it's, it's about 60,000 acres and half of it can be accessed by anyone to hike and whatnot and go visit and just see things. And then half of it is just the refuge. So you can't be on that uh, section unless you're hunting. And it's, um, like mountain, they have these granite mountains that are rocky and they're sage and, uh, I mean, it's beautiful. It's a lot of, which I've only been in the winter um, so I can't speak to specifically what it looks like in the summer, if it's greener or anything, but it, it's kind of desert mountains, um, what you would think of maybe in uh, certain parts of New Mexico or Arizona, even, um, I guess, some parts of, of Wyoming that, you know, that have a lot of sagebrush and such. And then they have these grass prairies that are just um, beautiful and rolling and, and that lead you up to these, these mountains. Um, I don't know if that's a good description or not, yeah, but it's great, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, that description was excellent, but the pictures, <laughs> well, we'll share a picture with the podcast yes. for sure. And it looked sure. really beautiful. It was um, definitely. So you get drawn, you and your friend both get drawn and this is, this is a once in a lifetime, right? Like you can't ever put in for this hunt again. Correct. Yes. And so, and, and I can kind of explain too, I, I didn't uh, clarify, but she had never really hunted before. So this oh. elk, she harvested an elk too. And this was her first kill with a rifle ever was, was an elk. So it was incredible, but our husbands both put in with other people and um, her husband had drawn out before and he was like, you know, what if y'all put in together? I was like, yeah, let's do it, you know? So- and and so we put in forever. Oh, go ahead, Marcia. I was just, is it like a game, like a party tag where if, where you, you, yes. Okay. So you put it together and draw together. Yes. And so I think for the, for other places or other haunts in Oklahoma, you can put in for more people, but for the elk, you can put in a max of two person parties and then you can each harvest a, an animal. Cool. And you can each bring one person to help pack out. So we brought our husbands. They were, I think, um, very they were they were emotional support, and food support. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, okay. So, what kind of prep did you do for this hunt? I watched a lot of videos online about. Um, packing out elk because I felt like I knew that, I mean, we have done that on public land with white-tailed deer before. And so um, just getting one, cutting the meat off the bone, all of that in the field, I knew the concept, but I was worried that we would get out there and it would be an elk and I would just blank if I hadn't watched someone do it on an actual elk. 
So I watched a lot of videos and then I, I exercised a lot, a lot of lunges, not near enough. I will say that, <laughs> never enough. but a lot of walking. Yeah. Never enough. A lot of walking with, um, weights in my backpack around the neighborhood. Um, yeah, that was, that was the biggest prep. I mean, we did it and it was amazing. And I, I feel like it was extremely hard, but I would go do it again today. But I still feel like in the moment I thought I should have prepared more, but I survived. So I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you um, survived and got a cow we made it. Yeah, exactly. So Alyssa, oh, were you yeah. doing an archery hunt for the elk? No, it was rifle. Okay. Yes. What made and you they do require? Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just know that you, um, you are an archery hunter. So what, uh, made you decide to use the rifle for this hunt? I think this is rifle only. I mean, I'm sure someone could bring a bow in because I mean, it wouldn't be like the opposite if it was bow only and someone brings the rifle in, but, right. um, it's pretty vast and open. I think it would be Hard to get extremely close. difficult. Yeah. To get close. And, and of course, they're wanting um, people to harvest animals. Their goal is to have about a one-to-one ratio bull to cow um, because they're not looking to really grow the population. They're, they're just wanting to maintain sort of a healthy balance. And, um, and so they're wanting people to, to harvest. And I think they told us anyways that there was about a 50% harvest rate usually um, for these hunts. And so I think they, they're wanting people to use a rifle and and I would say, too, I think a lot of people in Oklahoma aren't familiar with hunting elk. And even with a gun, it's very difficult to kill one. And yeah. they're very strong creatures. And so mm-hmm. I think they, I wouldn't say they would be worried about someone using a bow, but I could see that being a, um, a concern just mm-hmm. to make sure that it's a, a quick and, and merciful kill as possible, I guess. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. So we've got a lot of build up okay. here. <laughs> yes. Let's, the foundation let's set, is solidly laid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, set, let's set the scene and I mean, walk us through arrival. Did you have to take some kind of a class or was there like a training since it was so controlled? Um, there was no training specifically. What they did, they obviously emailed you out a lot of material to look at maps and things like that. You can get on Onyx and look. Um, at the landscape and kind of, you know, build sort of a game plan before you get there. Um, but the first morning of the hunt, there's a, there's a pre-hunt meeting that all the hunters have to attend. Um, so that was at 10 AM on Monday morning. And so everyone's there. Um, I will set the scene a little bit. You're kind of in the bleachers. It's at this, um, they do, I think some informational things here. So there's bleachers and there's kind of a, a little, area the fish and wildlife employees were standing at and and had a meeting but there's probably of the hunters and and pack out buddies there are maybe 80 people and three of them are women Paige me and one other woman so there are some employees that were women um for sure game warden and things like that but as far as hunters uh there were there were three women um so that was I mean pretty awesome to be to be a woman there I think we definitely got some looks when we walked up just the two of us to to check in and they're right. like what are these two right. girls especially here, like, a, you know? like a double woman party I bet that's yeah. even rare yeah yeah yes for sure yeah the boys were just out so <laughs> they were <laughs> no it was it was awesome <laughs> sorry guys um, but yeah, so, so we had this meeting and in the meeting, they're giving us all the regulations again. Um, you had to be, uh, you know, make sure that you're using a certain caliber rifle. You had to have a 270 or larger, um, you, uh, they, they kind of gave us some, some tips on, um, on hunting elk and they didn't give us tips on areas, but just, but just general things about movement and, and stuff like that. Uh, they gave us the regulations as far as if you harvested an animal, you had to be back out an hour and a half after last light, after dark. So you couldn't stay in there all night um, recovering meat. You had to, if you shot one at dusk, basically you had to walk out and come back in the next morning. Um, they just are, I think, worried about people being lost up there. Um, and so they gave us tips about that. Um 
but but general things and, and that was pretty much it it lasted maybe 30 or 40 minutes um and then you're released to go to go hunt and we had done a like i said some research beforehand and and Trey uh, Page's husband had had done um, a cow only hunt the year before, and he had an idea of where he thought we should go. Um, so we, and and certain areas you can only have so many cars parked there because they don't want you know all the hunters in one area. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the meeting was over, we dashed to the <laughs> it's car. Like a mad to dash. Get, <laughs> it's the amazing race. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, which was funny because, you know, all the guys are too cool and Paige and I are like, we're not too cool. We want <laughs> to get to our spot. I love it. <laughs> so we're just cuffing it, cuffing it to the trucks and, and headed that way. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty much all the, the meeting. I mean, it was very organized and they gave us information of um, the game warden to call. Uh, we had to send them their exact or our exact location. If we harvested, um, we had to do like the pin drop coordinates to them and um and so it was, it was very informative and, and I thought the lead up and everything was, was very organized. I didn't feel worried about, um, am I going to do this ride or, or anything like that? It was, it was all very laid out for us. Is yeah. this the only, uh, for that tag, is, is this the only time to hunt for that? Or do they do that a couple of times a season? They do it multiple times. I think they do, um, one in November, one in December, and one in January, and they're staggered with the other hunt that's the drive-in. So the Got drive-in it. is at a different time. Yeah. Okay. And you were the November hunt, right? Like you were the first? No, we were December. Okay. So it was, I think, December 13th through 17th, maybe. Somewhere oh, in there. Okay. So did you get to go to the spot that you wanted to? Mm-hmm, we did. We were the first ones there. So wait, a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a tail it for sure. Yep. Nice job. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were the first ones there. And of course, I, I was in a hurry, but um, we were, I was, everyone else was in such a hurry that I was literally still snapping at my backpack as we're walking like through the gate out into the refuge. So, um, so our group was very uh, get up and go, you know, we were, we were ready to get out there in the, in the wilderness. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you started walking. Then what? Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then what happened? That was it. We just walked a lot. <laughs> Which is um, probably most tons. <laughs> true story. Um, yeah, so so we started off together, the four of us, and we walked for a bit, and then we decided to split up um, into two parties. So Paige and Trey went one way, and we went another way. And we kind of, our goal was to get up on top of a mountain and just glass for a little bit. Um, you know, we had you know, Trey had done it before. So we sort of had an idea what to expect based on listening to him, but we really did not know what to expect or how many elk we would see or anything like that. So we were just thinking, okay, let's get up somewhere high and, and look. And so we're walking, um, on this road and through, um, I say a road, it's, you know, a trail, um, through all the prairies to kind of get to where the mountains were, where we wanted to be. Um, and it was really cool. We saw a lot of other wildlife that they have there in the refuge. Um, they have longhorns, um, they have bison. And at one point we were walking past and there were some bison, maybe, I don't know, 40, 50 yards from us. And then overhead there were these bald eagles circling. So it was just kind of crazy to have, it just felt very, um, nostalgic of, American wildlife, I guess, to be hunting these elk that had once been extinct in this region. Um, and then bison, which were also hunted that way and, and bald eagles and kind of have that all hovering over us as we went out on this hunt. I was like, oh, wow, this is really, um, I don't know, it felt very cool. But um, but we walked and then we reached the base of the mountain that we wanted to, to go up over top. And um, we were about to climb up when these two elk jumped up. We had bumped two elk, I mean, really unknowingly, um, just walked up on two right away. And um, it was one was a bull we knew for sure. And the other one we couldn't see at first, um, his head. And so we didn't know for sure. And so I had gone ahead and taken my pack off and set it up on a rock that had that was right in front of me and um, kind of got ready with my rifle just in case it, it was a cow. Um, and it wasn't. We, we saw him reappear and so we knew that it was it was a bull 
So I got all back loaded up and we're going to climb up the side of this mountain and we take about a step and three more elk pop up. And so we were just thinking, I'm just thinking, this is incredible. Like I've, you know, even when I've been out West, I've seen elk, but never, you know, besides like a Yellowstone, you know, small area where they're, you know, they're expected to be and they hang out all the time. I've never seen just this many elk in the wild all at once and especially not that close to me. And so, um, I'm sitting there and I'm kind of in awe because these are three cows, no, no antlers. Um, and I'm just standing there looking and my husband's like, are you going to get your gun? And so I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah, right. Okay. And so I take my pack off again and my, and my gun off. And, and the two, I just want to say that's one thing that they had told us in the, um, in the meeting was that, you know, they're a lot harder to kill than white-tailed deer. Um, and I was very cognizant of this and was not going to even consider like free arming anything. I was going to make sure that I had a good rest um, before I took a shot. And, um, and so I got back down and I'm looking and of course I can see at this point that it's, it's a mom and two calves and, and they're older calves. They were probably going to be kicked off before too long. Um, but I just, at this point, they were kind of on the top of the mountain and they were in the skyline behind them. So I had a shot. They weren't, um, she wasn't that far, maybe 150 yards. Um, I'm not very good with distances. I will say that right now. So I say that they were 150, they were within shootable range. My husband was certain he was ranging for me. Um, but I just, I couldn't do it. I was, I did not think that I could you know kick them off forcingly like myself I don't know if that makes sense but I just wasn't you know uh ready to do that and of course as soon as they um went on their way I was second guessing that decision I'm thinking I'm never gonna see another elk again (laughs) that was my shot I'm gonna hunt the next five days and just see nothing else um but I think also I would have felt really, I don't know how I would have felt for sure, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that I could do it. So, um, so yeah, loaded back up another time. So we went ahead with our plan. We climbed up, um, this mountain to look over on the other side into the valley and, and see, um, what we could see. We were not too far over the top when uh, we saw a bull on the other side of this valley. Um, He was beautiful. Just, I mean, and again, it's just insane that we kept seeing these elk. Um, But he was just, you know, moving along up the side of this hill. And um, we watched him for a while and and panned that side. and, um, And then we saw a whole herd of elk on the opposite side, moving down into the valley. And they were probably 400-ish yards away, I guess. Um, So really too far to shoot. Um, And we debated then if we were going to try to go down to them or go back around because we worried. I don't know that this is, I'm explaining this very well, but it's, you know, they're coming down into the valley kind of towards us, but far away. And so we thought if we went down to the valley and then up to them, that we would spook them. Yeah. So we thought we needed to go back around or on the other side of the mountain we were on and, and hightail it down that way to kind of come around to them. Yep. That's probably a terrible description. No, I've, um, I've, but... I've, I've hunted that hunt. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and so then we, okay, we're like, that's a plan. And so we hightailed it over there and, and I'll say this too. This was the thing that I was most unprepared for was the terrain, not the up and down, but it was so rocky and I've been hiking in the mountains before, but this is obviously not on any sort of trail. And it's just, it's like a boulder. And then there'd be, you'd step into this high grass. And I was worried every time I stepped that I was going to roll my ankle or something because it was you know, some of them were so far down, you couldn't tell for sure if it was a hole or if it was actually the ground you were stepping off on. And, and so we're, we're, we weren't running, but it kind of felt like running um, around on this 
terrain and through all of these like scrub oaks and um I like scraped my hand up I didn't notice it at the time but um we were hauling it and so we get around peek over and the herd of elk had not in fact been moving towards the water hole that we thought they were they were moving in the direction that we'd just come from (laughs) of course they were yeah right that's just how it goes um so I, we were just like, oh gosh. But again, you know, it was the first day. So I wasn't, and you know, we'd been out there maybe an hour, not that long at this point. Um, and all so, of this happened in an hour. Yeah. Like, let me, well, I won't look right now, but um, I remember looking at the timestamp on the phone of the photos that um, Ryan took after I killed the elk. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was all within two hours of Oh, you gave away the ending. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Backtrack. Rewind. Okay. Okay. All right. Action. Rewind. Action's getting Edit. hot right now. <laughs> Edit that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so all of this had happened in about an hour. Um, maybe a little bit more, but we're uh, standing there. I'm, of course, breathing just so heavily at this point. I'm thinking, wow, I really thought I was in shape, but obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm thinking, okay, we've got, we've got several more days. I'm not going to be too discouraged at this point about our non, um, you know, that this plan didn't go as planned. Um, and where we were at this point was kind of on the edge of this, I don't know if this makes sense, but like a saddle between um, like kind of in like a dip where we now know for sure that elk travel a lot. Um from one valley to the other instead of going all the way up top of the, over the mountain um but we're standing on the edge and kind of looking into the saddle from one angle and then down into the valley and just kind of taking a breather while we decide what to do next and i see over ryan's shoulder movement and i look and it's more elk and they're coming pretty much directly at us um on the other side down into the saddle and it was a bull and that was the first thing I saw, but then he's leading, um, a group of, uh, cows down into this, uh, into the valley, or we, we saw it down into the saddle in front of us. And so we're not quite on the edge, but, but close enough. I'm like, okay, like we drop to the ground. Um, I get my pack out to use as a rest and I'm trying to find them in the scope and, Ryan's checking. I was really also scared that I was going to shoot um, like a a little baby because they look so big compared to whitetail. I'm like, mm. can you just make sure that I'm shooting an adult elk before I um, before I take a shot? And so he was ranging and making sure. And he's like, yeah, they're all adult cows. Like when one comes into the um, opening, like shoot, like they're within range. You're fine. They were they were about I think 200 at this point from us, which was much closer than we'd really anticipated, um, even getting, uh, just based on kind of some things that we had heard. And, um, so I'm, I'm getting them on my side. They're kind of winding through some trees on the side of this, um, mountain and, and they start stepping into the clearing. And at the same time they're stepping in, I hear Ryan from behind me say, wait, there's more elk. And so this other group of elk were coming from, the opposite side up into the saddle and they were basically about to meet in the middle and they were much closer so they were about 120 I think uh, about at this point and so I rotate and try to get my sight on these elk because they're closer already and they were moving a lot slower well when I get over there I notice there's a bunch of um, kind of shrubs from that angle that I didn't have to my left and so I'm like oh my gosh I can't shoot through this you know I just I would never try to shoot through all of that thick stuff um and so I'm like looking and trying to get an angle because they're below me and I can't and at this point I'm like panicking because I'm like I'm gonna blow it like this (laughs) is my shot again (laughs) and I'm gonna do something and whitetail they spook so easily so I was trying to figure out if I could move or what I could do and there's a big boulder um in front of me that had kind of split the view of the two elk um, groups coming together and I just was like screw it and I grabbed my like seat cushion I leap over the rock that I was resting on 
put the um, seat cushion on the big boulder that I can like lean up against standing upright. And now I can see all of the elk at once Mm -hmm. and they're all just right below me in the open. And that was the very edge of the mountain. So everything else was just a drop off. Um, And so at that point, Ryan's like, they're 120. Um, You take a shot. Let me know which one you're going to shoot. I can, you know, I'm looking right now. Well, of course, I didn't, I didn't tell him which one I was going to be shooting. I just forgot that part. Yeah, I was just focused and my adrenaline was going. And and so I I had um, multiple ones there, but I took the shot at one that was um, kind of trailing behind and um, walking pretty slow. And and she was, I thought, a big, beautiful elk. And and so, yeah, I got a shot and I took it. And um, really the elk didn't, and none of them did a whole lot at first. Mm-hmm. It was just very still. They were kind of looking around like, what was that? Like nothing crazy. They kind of scampered a little bit. Um, and that was, that was something they told us in the, um, the pre-meeting was that if you shoot an elk and you're going to take another shot, make sure you shoot the same elk again. Because they've had people mm-hmm. not yeah. realize and shoot a different animal. Yeah. Um, because they didn't. I mean, there were several that just stayed standing there. Uh, several cows and so um of course I didn't take another shot until I knew for sure which one um but they had said you know take another shot if you feel like it because it does generally take um you know a couple if you're trying to kill them you know swiftly or, or whatnot and um and so when they kind of cleared and I could see in my scope that I'd hit um hit her uh I it was in the rib cage you know about lung height I um I had thought at the time and now I know because we could see when we got to her but um and so I took another shot and at that point the other elk around her started to move a little bit more and um and they kind of they'd gone forward a bit and then they backtracked and it was um they were kind of going back from where they came and and she just stood there she was standing so still and um, some of the elk were like moving on and they were like looking back at her and, um, and it sounds kind of sentimental to say, cause obviously I know that they are animals, but you know, they were looking back at her, like, are you coming? And it was just, it was all very emotional. And I started just crying and I've, I mean, that's never happened to me hunting before. And I mean, I'm, I'm not sobbing, but I'm like big tears, you know? And and of course, Ryan is like, it's okay. It's it's a big thing. Like, it's okay to cry, you know? So I was like, I don't know why I'm crying, you know? And um, and in retrospect, I've thought about it a lot since then. But, you know, hunting whitetails, I have very rarely shot one that didn't either drop or run out of sight and then crash. Mm-hmm. And so, and I mean, I think to just watch her stand there and obviously in distress and not immediately fall was just very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and eventually she did, I, I contemplated taking the third shot too. Um, even though we could see, you know, where I'd hit that they were good shots. It was just, they're such strong, massive animals, I guess that, um, that yeah, she just was able to, to withstand that for longer than, um, than an animal that I had previously hunted, like a whitetail or something smaller. And she took another step or she took one step and then laid down. And we just stood up there on that rock, leaning against that rock and, and watched as she, um, you know, she laid there for a bit uh, and you could kind of see her breathing a little bit or looking around and, and eventually she just laid her head down and, um, or, you know, fell over. And so we knew at that point that she had for sure died. Um, but it was, it was really more emotional than I had expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, she was so beautiful when we got to her too. I got a little bit emotional again. I didn't, I didn't start crying again, but it was, it was really, I don't know. It, it just really affected me in a way that I was not expecting. So yeah. And then at that point, we, we, uh, walked down to her and, and, uh, started the, the work really started at that point, obviously, but we took, we took some time, um, 
for me to just to admire her and um it sounds really probably cheesy to say but just take that time to be grateful for the sacrifice of of another living being to to feed us and just um savor the moment and the experience and and yeah thank yeah god and and the universe for for that gift that that we were given in that moment and um yeah i just looked at her for the longest time though and like touched her hair it was this thick red fur and she was beautiful so it was it was pretty incredible and and then yeah the like i said the real work really started we got um yeah we got to the knives out and to to skinning her and all of that so you told that story so beautifully thank yeah. you well, thank you <clears throat> I don't want to gloss over that because I feel like that is the crux of this story, like your whole experience. But I also don't know what I can add to it because like Marcia said, the the way that you described it is so beautiful. And I think for me, at least, I can certainly identify with all of the emotions that, you know, you talk about experiencing. And I don't know what it is about in science terms, charismatic megafauna, but like the difference between ending the life of something huge into our typical day, unusual, like an elk versus a dove, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know why we connect differently with those two animals, but I, I definitely do. And I feel like I can empathize with that part of your story. Um, Yeah. Really, yeah, for sure. Really I think, I think, I think too, I mean, I've, I've, I have similar feelings when I've killed whitetails before. Um, but I think it just, there was something really overwhelming about that moment. And plus, I think um, the, I mean, the adrenaline, there's so much of an emotional release there anyways, um, mm-hmm. when you're going, 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 and then, it, you know, the crux of it happens. Um, and I will say, that sometimes, I mean, definitely not to that level, but I've even felt somewhat of that with a dove in the way that it's so small. Yeah. Um, when I've held one of those in my hands, you know, that I've killed. And, and I think it's just, it's something to be really, I think, cognizant of and not to shy away from in this um, culture of hunting that we're trying to create, I think, through Artemis and, and through, you know, hunting, like conservation-based hunting and, and just knowing that it, it's not, I mean, it is sad, but it's not, um, I think, not to shy away from the emotion of it, mm-hmm. just because we are grateful for it, and that we're going, <clears throat> excuse me, to continue to do that to feed our family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we're not coming at it from a, like a overly sensitive or um, sort of mindset, but just a, like a gratefulness and an awareness of the impact that we have on um, on the environment and that we can have on the environment. Go ahead, Marsha. Yeah, no, I was thinking, and to me, it's just embracing the complexity of the hunt, right? Because it is hard, yeah. um, but that, but just because it's hard, it doesn't mean it's also worthwhile. You know, I think yes. just embracing that two things can be true at the same time <laughs> um, yes. is, is something that we don't do often enough. For sure. No, I totally agree. All right. So then the knives came out and yes. <laughs> you you hadn't been hunting that, like you said, it was only two, two hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah. It really That's makes crazy. me want to pull up the, um, pull up the picture and just see what time it was when, um, I was just so looking at them So it has to be like mid- midday right now, right? Because the meeting wasn't until 10, I think you said. It was at 10 a.m. Dang. 10 a.m. Okay, like, so the yeah. first picture. So we took a picture at the truck at 11.06 a.m. when we were walking out because I said, we've got to get a, you know, a pre-picture of us. Yes. And so <laughs> that was 11.06. That was 11. Yeah, right? And so the picture that Ryan took of me after, it was 1.50. So it was a wow. little longer. It was almost three hours. Yeah. Well, geez. So. So. <laughs> yeah, In that still. case, Alyssa. <laughs> So and then you had to. I, I, I was able but, to take a picture right after. I actually took a picture of the elk that were standing there um, as she was still standing there, and it was 140. So it probably would have been like 135 when yeah. I took that first shot. But sorry, go ahead, Marcia. 
or nope. whatever. Go well, ahead. okay. So at this point now you have to pack her out. I mean, I guess you've got plenty mm-hmm. of daylight left, but how far were you from the truck? It was, so I took, I turned my tracker on and Ryan did too before we left. And it was three miles, almost exactly three miles. You were high from it. that point. Yeah. Yeah. We were moving, moving quick. Yeah. How many, how many trips did it take back? Was it just the two of you or did Paige and no. her husband link up with you? So it was actually, um, we didn't have great service and, but we were able to get a pin drop out to them that we, that I had gotten one. And so they eventually got it and came over to meet us and, uh, helped us pack out. Nice. So it took, um, just one trip yeah. out. But we didn't get the hide that time. We went in the next morning um, and got her hide because I wanted to have that um, as well. And so we, and that was another rule. You, if once you harvested, um, even if you were a team, we couldn't have gone back in to help Paige. We would have had to be done. Um, and so because the hide was still in there, we were able to go back into the hunt area to get it. Bought yourselves one and more day. She was, yeah. And so she actually killed one that day and so we were able to help get that out as well nice Um, and so it was it was it took us about three hours to get her um skinned and all the meat off the bone um and loaded up it was about 520 when we started our walkout so did you did you do the gutless method or did you gutter and then process it well, it was actually pretty warm that day. So we did go ahead and get all the guts out because they had warned us just that yeah. because it was warm that they would go ahead and do that. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we had expected to the gutless method, but it was it was really probably in the 60s. So okay. not super warm, but just because they're so massive and they were like, they don't cool so off very quickly. So you might as well go ahead. So we did go ahead and, and gut her. But then from there, essentially we did the gutless method I mean and we cut all the meat off the bone um from that point so um, yeah uh, have you have you done anything with the hide yet or is it still no it's still in the freezer and we're um I talked to someone that I know in Colorado um or who knows someone in Colorado that does does that and so we're hoping to take it this summer um to have done That'd be something. Oh, yeah. That'd be a cool uh-huh. memento. Yeah. I know for sure. I really so, debated whether I wanted the whole thing because I had said, I had said, I joked again about the equal opportunity household and that I wanted a full shoulder mount of her too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but just cost wise and all of that, it didn't yeah. seem to really make a lot of sense. So we, we just took the hide. And so, yeah. But which is a lot of work to get all that off in one piece. Um, yeah. Oh, well, well, but, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what was happening, or I guess during this time, nothing much probably, but what was Paige's hunt like? It was also very crazy, um, but longer. There was more of it. So they had walked um, kind of in an opposite direction of us. And I think that day they'd walked about nine miles when they looked at their tracker at the end of the day, by the time we all got back out to the truck, um, they had seen a ton of bulls and they continued to do the same. They just got into multiple herds of bull elk and so couldn't take a shot at any, and they didn't get within range of a cow that day. Um, and the next morning when we went, we all went back in together and we were going to get the hide and, um, it was extremely, um, foggy. You could hardly see there was, I mean, very low visibility. So we were all, um, we were camped out kind of near where my elk was waiting and they were, they ended up being, which we didn't know at the time, directly across from us on the opposite mountain face. And so when it started to clear, we actually were able to watch them hunt basically. And so we couldn't see everything, but we were able to watch them traverse this whole mountain face looking for elk or we didn't know at the time but following some elk and then we kind of switched because at this point we were like we need to get back to the truck we um we really are not I mean supposed to be back in here still 
and we just wanted to get back and check on the meat because it was so warm. And even though we put ice on it, we just wanted to double check. And so we had gone down into the valley right after they had crossed back up on the mountainside that we were on. But let me tell you where we sat by my elk that day, we watched elk after elk after mm -hmm. elk pass us. So we were trying to get service to them to tell them there are elk over here. Like there, like we were probably closer than a hundred yards to a lot of elk and and they were too but a lot of them were bulls and and we got to watch this this herd of beautiful bulls at the top of this mountain above us just lounging they just laid there and of course we just watched them all morning I mean once the the fog had cleared we just watched them through our binoculars and were I mean it was it was awesome especially for people that don't see elk that often it was just exciting to sit there and observe them um but yeah so they crossed over to to come towards this group and we went down to walk out that direction and we're at the base of the mountain and we're looking back up towards where we think they've gone and we see just elk 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 and then we see this little bit of orange pop out mm. and we're looking and I'm like that's Paige that's for sure Paige and so we're watching and we see below them tons of elk, but we have no way to tell them like there are cows below you and we couldn't tell what they could see. So we're just watching them. And, and so eventually we're like, I guess we'll just go on. And so we take maybe five steps and we hear a shot. And so we turn around and we look. So we see Paige and Trey, their orange hats. And then we see all these elk that are just now on their feet. I mean, there were probably 25 elk right around them, surrounding them, yeah. but, but yeah, she had, she'd gotten her cow. And so then we, um, climbed back up the mountain <laughs> and I, I had been, you know, I was like, I'm going to carry the hide. Like, I'm going to get it. Like, I didn't want Ryan to carry it. Like I, I could do it, you know? And, and so there I was climbing back up the mountain, eating my words, like, <laughs> I can do it. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. We were able to, um, well, to watch them um, harvest hers and then uh, uh, help pack that out. And it was, by the time that we got to the truck, it was, we actually fell behind. So the boys were like powering through. They really just um walked extremely fast I don't know how fast they got to the truck compared to us they were probably waiting for 10 or 15 minutes at least but um the walkout I mean I didn't know that I still had feet by the time I got to the truck honestly it was just it was it was a long walk <laughs> but um but yeah it was just about the same place it was maybe uh, I don't know um I don't know 150 yards from where I shot mine just at the top of the next mountain instead of down in that saddle area so it was incredible. We passed around a bottle of ibuprofen after dinner. Um, <laughs> wow. Celebratory ibuprofen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah. Uh, so so as, aside from, you know, the, the moments that you already described with the cow mm -hmm. that you harvested, can you tell us about one of your favorite moments from this hunt? It was walking out with Paige, honestly, mm -hmm. and, and walking in too, but, but when we were walking out and just having the opportunity to be with my female friend during that time. Um, Paige is also hilarious. She's one of the funniest people that I've ever met. And so it was just so funny because we were deliriously tired and she's already funny. And it was just <laughs> having that time together. I mean, I'm sure the guys were having their own moment too, but I've had a lot of <laughs> hunting moments with Ryan and they, we had some on this trip too, but it was just, it was so fun to, to hunt with her and, um, to be able to watch her, even though, um, it was from a very far distance, but to just have that kind of, uh, female camaraderie and, um, and stuff that was, that was pretty incredible. And then again, just watching all the wildlife that we saw, it was, it was amazing. That's so cool. Dang. What a story. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to transition to our weekly closer hits and misses. Yeah. Uh, Marsha, do you want to start us off? Sure. I, um, oh gosh, to pick a hit or a miss. <laughs> um, so I was, I'll do, I'll, uh, I, uh, this spring has just been crazy busy. And so I, ha I wasn't able to get out, uh, turkey hunting or bear hunting as much as I wanted to. Um, but I did make it out into the field to go, um, bear hunting 
uh, one day and um, it was uh, it was it was a wonderful experience. I did not end up seeing any bear or harvesting a bear, uh, but the success it a it was it was a downpour. It was just raining the whole day, so I got to test out some rain gear, uh, which was fun. But it was also um, I I e scouted, so it was this area that I was familiar with before from turkey hunting and hiking through but it was the first time I'd done a spawn stock bear hunt in the area. So I was just kind of using my knowledge of the area to try and figure out where I can hike into to get a good glassing spot. Um, and again, I didn't see any bear, <laughs> but I know that they were in, it was just a really good spot. And so I was proud of my success um, in e-scouting and then hiking in, in the miserable wet rain um, to get back to the spot to sit and, and glass um, until sunset. So it was good to be in the field. It's always good to be in the field and just really grateful that I got out, even if it was for such a short time um, and now have an idea of where I can go back next year when hopefully I'll have a little bit more um, flexibility in time. Yeah, for sure. I, e-scouting and having it pay off, even if not in a harvest, but to realize like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I, right. I exactly. Like it, even if I got the exact type of position and landscape that I wanted um, from e-scouting. And so that's, that's exciting. It's like, yes, I can read topography. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good feeling. Alyssa, what about you? What have you been aiming for? Well, we are going back to Montana and Wyoming this summer. And I know last year I went through the fly fishing tactics that we had, but I didn't actually put it to use at all. I felt like I wasn't ready to buy a fly rod because I never really tried it. My husband did a lot of fishing with his fly rod and um, I just used my, my spin and reel. But this year I was like, I'm going to try it. And so I wanted to try in advance. So we went out to a pond and, and we were just fishing there. And um, so I got to practice and I caught my first fish Yay! on the fly rod. Oh, nice. Yeah, that That's was exciting. Really exciting. And it was a tiny little baby perch, but <laughs> it was a fish. So it was, you know, it was, uh, I think, a step in the right direction. And so now I'm going to order me a fly rod because I'm determined to to do that this summer when we're, awesome. we're out west. And we, actually, we just um, posted the fly fishing tactics session as a podcast last week. Um, so you can go back and, yes, and listen to it. That. Yeah. Yes, I went back, I was editing sure. it um, for podcast fodder instead of webinar fodder. And again, I was just like, I, I um, learned so much the first time. And so it was just a, a great reminder of some of the finer points that I'd forgotten. So, yes. Yay. Yes. I, yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Yeah, that Very is exciting. Looking. I my two cents of advice on fly rod purchasing. I my husband we when we got married in New Mexico, our honeymoon was basically walking around listening to elk trying to fly fish this incredibly tiny stream with really tall grass on both sides. Don't recommend for your first experience. But he had a fly rod and I didn't and we just sat down at a bar one day when we were exploring Santa Fe and went on Craigslist and found a used one. Mm. So we met a guy who bought the fly rod and now I have a fly rod. I don't use it nearly as much as I should, but um, for something that's super expensive, I feel like that was a good entry. Like if you get out to an area where that's a popular thing, I feel like you can find a used one. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that is a good idea. But and a lot of them also, have like warranties too. So even if it is used and slightly damaged, you might be able to get it. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's a hot tip. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I have been aiming for something. So riding horses is a huge passion of mine. It kind of brings me the same. I don't know. You know how you just like zero in on something when you're doing it. And that's kind of the only thing happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, same with hunting, but, uh, being around horses is, is the other thing besides hunting that offers me that. And since my daughter was born, I sold the horse that I had. I just haven't had time to own one. And we live in a place with tons of horses, but it's been really difficult to try to get to ride one. And last week I finally was able to find a woman who has a retired horse that needs some exercise. And so I went and met him and this, um, 
this week I'm going to go riding for the first time. So Fun. that is a huge hit for me. Um, I'm really that excited awesome. about that. Yeah. So hopefully I can report back good news and that I didn't uh, break a bone after a couple years out of the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? His name's Slick. And, All right, uh, Slick. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. So we'll see. Cool. But uh, Alyssa, thank you so much. This was a wonderful story, yeah. and I appreciate you thank sharing you guys it with for me. me. Yeah, it was multiple great to times. Hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank thanks, you guys so much. Thanks for joining us this week on the Artemis Podcast. We hope you're having a great week. Until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside. Mm-hmm.